and we're here. And we're here doing it. We're doing it. Doing a podcast. I was trying to make sure. Yep. Looks like we're doing okay as far as the sound goes. We're recording? We're recording. If you're on the YouTube, you may notice the microphones are gone. Yeah. We're, the new the new sound equipment. We're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> we gave up. Here's here's a few things we've noticed from the new sound equipment. This room, not perfect for audio. Another thing, I talk significantly louder than Kara talks. That. I did. I'm a loud person. I didn't know that I was that quiet. You're not. It's a thing. That's what's so weird. I know. On this mic, it's not like that. No. But those two, it's like I'm whispering to you. <laughs> um, I do super, super, super appreciate all of you. Yeah, you all are still here. For continuing to stick with us. Tagging um, along. I feel like anybody who has not been with us and they just popped in for those last few episodes are probably like, what the crap? <laughs> what are they doing? We're trying. And as we've said, normalizing imperfection. I forgot. We're not even supposed to be talking about this. Remember how I said we weren't going to talk about it? No, but surprise, we have different equipment today. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Okay. One day we'll be in a different room. Just yeah. We have, we have plans. We have big plans. Okay. All right. So I didn't, I wanted to tell you what I was going to do this episode about. As soon as I had, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it on this. And then my next thought was, oh, I want to tell Kara. I can't. <laughs> okay. So after Wait, this is the Witch's Magic Murder Mystery Podcast. Oh my gosh, guys. We're so sorry. Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm Kara. I'm Megan. We're very professional. We're really good at this. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not like we've been doing it. And we wanted to talk about our necklaces real quick. Okay. If you're on the YouTube, you can see it. One of our listeners reached out and she makes jewelry. It's Erin Rebecca. Yes. Erin Rebecca Jewelry. I'll put like her Instagram and all that information in the show notes. But Erin Rebecca Jewelry. And she does like... I mean, just the most beautiful, beautiful pieces. It was so nice of her. And she just sent these to us. And it, you know, it's one of those things where we love getting gifts. Yeah. Well, and you never, you never know, like when someone sends you something, it's like, if, I mean, if it's going to be a macaroni necklace or if it's, <laughs> I also like macaroni necklaces. Yes. Don't, I just feel free can't to get over it. If you were planning on sending us one, please send it. We how, wear it. How beautiful. Yeah. If you want to send us a macaroni necklace, I'll wear the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. I can't. It was just yeah, such Aaron, a lovely thank surprise. Thank you yeah. so much. We thank love you. them. And if you guys um, are needing gifts for somebody or Hit you just want up. something for yourself, check that out because, you know, support another, which is Another magic, goddess. Just support mystery. another goddess. Yeah. Trash witch. Yeah. Okay. Now. Back to episode. Back to plan. Back to reality. Okay. After Kara's episode on medicinal cannibalism. Not cannabis. Which a lot of you all had trouble with that one. <laughs> I'm in favor. I think we can all agree that's one of the weirder things we've ever discussed. <laughs> but also maybe my most favorite episode we've Yoga. ever done. Except for the corpse ride is the only one I can think of. Oh my gosh, I loved doing that one. It's episode 50 about Carl Tanzier and that one cracked me up. So anyway, one of our listeners, Mary, I'm sure she's listening because she's fantastic. And she sends me... From TikTok. I don't I don't know Mary. She just, we know, she Found knows we on, this podcast. Found yeah. you on the talk. Clearly her TikTok algorithm is better than mine because she sees the best weird TikToks. And it's amazing. I don't see them, but she tags me in them. Thank goodness. And that's how it, it always makes me so happy when I see that she's tagged me in something. I'm like, yeah, what's Mine's this going to be? full of like conspiracy theories, cows, hot <laughs> lesbians, and like... Random haunted spooky every, places. Every hot lesbian is on TikTok. It's fascinating to it's me. It's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, she will tag me in them and I'm so happy every time she does. So that episode came out Monday. 
And then yesterday, which would be Tuesday, so medicinal cannibalism came out Monday. On Tuesday, Mary tags me in a TikTok that was about how Victorian people used to eat mummies, which is what we, you know, that's medicinal cannibalism. Yeah. And I was like, how have I never heard of this before yeah. in my life? Yeah. Until you mentioned it. And then the day after the episode comes out, there's a TikTok. I mean, I'm just, for one, the TikTok algorithm is bizarre. Yes. But oh, yeah. um, I'm just fascinated that like suddenly it's out two there. days in a row, it's like. It's out there. Yeah. Anyway, so this made me think more about the Victorian era and just the traditions they had surrounding death. Which are wild. Which led me to today's topic. Well, remember when we did that video on Patreon about, like, the wild ways people di died? Like, the Victorian era, era had so many insane ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not just the way they die. It's, like, how they yeah. treated death. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll get into it in the episode. But, it, like, death was a major part of their life. Yeah. You know? Post-mortem photography is what we are discussing. <gasps> oh, my today. gosh. I, I mean, I don't love this, but I love it. <laughs> I will say that at the moment, like what I thought this episode was going to be about versus what it has become after I actually researched it, it, it's different. Okay. I love going to antique stores and anytime I look at old, 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 old pictures, I'm sitting here thinking, is this person alive? Mm -hmm. Me too. That and creepy, I actually talk about that too. That creepy I'm like, is this one of those dead photos? Yeah. Or if you see somebody who looks a little weird, you're like, yeah. are they dead or alive? <laughs> yeah. I imagine if you listen to this podcast, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But just in case, I'm not talking about crime scene photography or like oh, autopsy no, no. photographs or anything like that. These are photographs. Nothing that were, nasty. No. Just, yeah. It's not. It's nothing like that. They're photographs that were taken of people after they had passed away that were meant to be comforting to their grieving families and friends. They often portrayed the dead person as if they were still alive. And many times their living relatives would pose for the photographs alongside them. This was a common practice from the mid-19th. wrenching I know. And when you look at some of them, well, let me finish the sentence. And then, <laughs> this is a common practice from the mid-19th through early 20th centuries. And you can view them online if you just Google <laughs> postmortem photography. I'll also put a link in our show notes <laughs> to the Thanatos archive. And it has a large collection of them. But yeah, when you look at these photos, they are heart-wrenching. Yeah. Like, you have parents holding their dead children. Yes. And, and I mean, it is clear oh, that yeah. they are grieving. I cannot imagine. Mm -mm. And I, I think, like, before I actually researched this, I was just like, why would you want that? Like, yeah. Why would that be comforting They just you? want those last memories with them. But it's deeper than that. Well, and also... Like, yeah. Like, they didn't have iPhones like we do. We yeah. take snapshots all the time. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's like a big part of it. So, yeah, that's what I'll get into. But before I get too deep into this, let's keep in mind that these photograph photographs display people's, like, very real grief. Mm -hmm. And while they seem super weird and morbid to us today, back then it was like a sign of love and, like, right. reverence yeah. to have post-mortem yeah, post photographs was, taken. Yeah. yeah, it was like, it got to a point where it was weird if you didn't do this right it was like honoring the it dead. was like yeah like well why would you not do the postmodern photography if yeah. this person if you love yeah. them right so if you google these you're going to see pictures of siblings where like all of them are alive except one or mothers holding their children who passed away or spouses yeah. sitting with like the love of their lives yeah. holding a book and some no longer living yeah yeah i think the part that makes it feel so creepy is that 
the whole trying to portray the dead person as if they aren't dead. Um, that's odd. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then I think it's natural to put yourself in the situation and be like, oh my God, that kid is holding his dead sister's hand mm-hmm. or those two little girls are posing with their dead mother. And yeah. And that is upsetting to think about because you yeah. automatically go like, if I were that person, how mm-hmm. could I, you know, right. but back then it but just they had a different wasn't train like of that. thought. Yeah. yeah. Just like it was normal to eat the skin of mummies because they thought it had medicinal properties. And skulls crushed up skulls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're not mm-hmm. talking about any other part of that episode. Mm-hmm. Honey baked tea. Man, our Facebook group <laughs> <laughs> lit up about that. <laughs> I was like, somebody was like, I was just driving down the road. Drinking my warm coffee. And I was like, it was all Kara. It was all Kara. I'm a victim just like you. You all are so welcome. So I don't really want to focus on like making fun of people who lived back then. Right. For the things they, you know. Oh, people do. I mean, I'm going to make fun of the medicinal cannibalism thing. But but this part, when it's like grief, I don't. Yeah. These photographs brought people a lot of comfort. What I find most interesting about all this is how differently we feel about it today. Yeah. I mean, I assume in general, most people don't find this sort of thing comforting now. Right. We find it odd and creepy. Right. And like you Google them and you like, scroll. And just like you said, we're looking like people taking pictures with like caskets and stuff now. Nobody. Yeah. When I Googled, like some of the photos made me laugh and not because it's funny, but it was yeah. like I was so uncomfortable. Yeah. That I was just like, oh, my God. You yeah. Know, like, ooh, ooh. It's like I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. You know? Right. The way this particular custom went from a source of comfort to a source of discomfort mm-hmm. is just interesting. Yeah. So first, let's talk about life in the Victorian age. They didn't have all the medical advancements that we have now. Right. They didn't know as much about preventing or curing disease. Vaccinations weren't a thing. They existed. I would um, But they just weren't widely used. Yeah. But. Then in the 1800s, with, like, the Industrial Revolution and more people, like, living in cities and crowding together and things, a lot of factors kind of came together at once. And suddenly, these infectious diseases became a much more, like, bigger problem. Yeah. The life expectancy. So the the deal was, if you lived in the Victorian age and you made it to adulthood, you could probably expect to live a while. But it's getting there that was a problem. Right. The life expectancy was, back then, was, like, you'd live to be in your 40s. And then... 70% 70% of kids lived past five years old, which means about 30% of kids didn't. That's so crazy. It's horrific. Diseases like cholera and scarlet fever and measles were rampant. And with no vaccines and no antibiotics and eating mummies wasn't going to help anything. It was just really common to lose people you loved. <laughs> well, it wasn't. I mean, no, you couldn't. They were out You're of not going to beat cholera. By they were them. out of stock at that point. Crushed up skulls. Skulls and jam. Um, death was a really prominent part of life, and Victorians mourned deeply. You know, widows wore black for years after yeah. their husbands died. Yeah. And covered and, you know, windows. And it was considered not windows, like inappropriate if you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people kept locks of hair from dead loved ones. There's a whole thing where they'd make wreaths from the hair of dead people, which I'm not even going to go into. Mm. But, um, it's just to give you an example of how they found comfort in like having these little Material. mementos mm-hmm. and they didn't find it creepy. And I mean, I, I've mentioned, I think on here before how my grandmother, I was just, I mean, just love like crazy about that woman. And when she passed away, it just rocked me. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I still like, I have so many of her things and my papa every year for Christmas will usually give me like another thing that was hers. 
But like when after she died and we like cleaned out her closet and I remember there were like two sweaters. I mean, my grandmother was tiny, 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 right. like a size two, even maybe a size zero. I'm not. So I'll never be able to wear them. But like I took you them. You want to hold. Yeah. Because they still smelled like her. Mm-hmm. And I can remember waking up in the middle of the night and going in there and just like smelling it and just crying. And yeah. Just whatever. And I went and bought some of the perfume that she always wore. Because oh. I just, I mean, the way she smelled was just so good. Anyway, point being, I totally understand having like, I want this thing to remember her mm-hmm. by. It's just that then it was like, they want a lock of hair or. Right. Like that's such a different, it's just so much more personal. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And. If I was like, here's this box of my grandmother's hair, you'd be like, okay, (laughs) you need need to go talk to a therapist, you know? Yeah. But back then it was just what you did. So, yeah. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all Mm -hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, Uh T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so handy. Right. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately Mm -hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's gonna be so tangled not with this one nice and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, For years, people would commission portraits or sculptures of their deceased loved ones as a way to remember them. Right. I remember death masks. Those came up in episode 52 yes. about the corpse bride. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, after a person died, a mask maker would spread oil over their face and then press plaster over the person's features. The whole point is it was supposed to be as realistic as possible. And so it would create an absolute likeness of the deceased person. Oh, my gosh. Victorians didn't invent this. Like, they've been making death masks right. mm-hmm. since ancient times. But yeah. Victorians were, like, obsessed with having them Yeah, made. they're like, guys, we got this. Yeah. And they would, like, put them on their mantles, which I just picture as you walk into somebody's house and there's, like, this mm. very realistic head on the... I'm, I just, <laughs> I'm like, 
Why? Ooh. But they didn't find it creepy. Yeah. I would just be like... <laughs> <laughs> the point is, photography didn't exist, so this was the best that you could do. Yeah. But only wealthy people could afford to, like, have a portrait right. painted right. or create a sculpture of their dead mm-hmm. loved ones. But then photography came along, and suddenly it was possible for less wealthy families to have some sort of thing to, you know, remember their deceased loved ones. The first type of photograph that was invented was called a mm-hmm. daguerreotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is 100%. This was the main mode of photography for like the first 15 years. A daguerreotype was rendered on a copper sheet. I feel like when I describe this, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But it was rendered on a copper sheet and burnished to look like a mirror. Oh. They were three-dimensional. And they came in these little small cases that mm-hmm. were like leather or ebony. Yeah. It had like a little handle. Mm-hmm. You'd open it up yeah. and there'd be this, you know, sheet of like yeah. copper. And like later is they tried to make it on cheaper things like mm-hmm. glass or just metal. But it was like in there and there's like velvet mm-hmm. holding it. And sometimes they put other things in there like a lock of the child's hair or like a ribbon. Since the practice of photography was new and it was such a big operation to take one photograph, typically a post-mortem photograph would be the only photograph you had of a person. Right. And this goes to what you were saying. Like now we take pictures all the time, all day, every day, all the time. But back then that's not how it was, you know? Yeah. So that's really weird to think about. But even if I think about how much it's changed just in my lifetime mm-hmm. about children, you used to have to go get film developed and oh, you would have no my idea. Gosh. Yes. Like you would take a bunch of photos and you would just hope <laughs> that something turned out. Yeah. You would or just, like a selfie. It's it like the mind, the, the frame. Who knows? Who knows? Who Disposable knows? cameras you had to wind up mm. and you had <laughs> oh God, you did not have screens on them. Yeah. No, there were no screens. You just prayer, basically. That's how you got it. How snap you got it. and shoot. Snap and shoot. I remember like the last day of school every year, I would take a disposable camera and then I would just be like, man, I hope some of those came out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I have hundreds, probably thousands of old photos from when we were younger, from when my grandparents were younger, just yeah. in boxes. And still old film that I would love to. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, now you'll take a million pictures. Back then it was like you had to be choosier about it. There were like 24 on a disposable On a roll. Yeah. And so. Or even on. so weird. Like the roll of film. So having photographs taken was just not a normal part of life yet. So you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even really think about having a picture taken until someone died. And even though it was cheaper than a painting, it was still expensive. It's not like everybody could do this. Also, Megan, remember... Pictures are digital now, printed digitally. Oh, yeah. They used to be hung up in print yeah, rooms. like dark rooms, you know? Yeah. So photography back then involved a lot of bulky equipment and skill and chemicals. And you had to sit really still if you had your photo taken because the exposure time was longer. Mm-hmm. That's why sometimes in these photographs, when there's like living people posing with a dead person, the living people are a little blurry because they can't be perfectly still. Right. And obviously, the deceased person doesn't doesn't have that issue. So one of these, <laughs> if you scroll through, if you Google them, you'll see them. But like I saw one and I was like, oh, my God, they like focus on the dead person yeah, um, and blurred out the others. But for one, I don't even know that that kind of technology exists. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like they have Photoshop back then. But it wasn't a, a photography choice. It was just a consequence of how yeah. long it took to they take They just got fidgety or whatever. Mm-hmm. They had things back then called cast iron posing stands, which kind of looked like microphone stands or even those like things that they put dolls in. Mm-hmm. And living people would use those stands to try and be as still as possible. Mm-hmm. So when I say long exposure time, it's not 
that crazy. Like right. we're talking about like a minute and a half, right, or so at the but time. It's still of hard the to stand that still. Well, what I read was like it's an exposure. An exposure of even one second is long enough for blurring to happen, mm-hmm. you know? So when you think about one second versus a minute to a minute and a half. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, think about how awful it is when you're sitting there waiting for a photo to be taken. And you're like, mm-hmm. I mean, we do that when we're doing our podcast stuff. <laughs> we're like, we can't stop laughing. Okay. Are you taking the picture yet? Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> Back then it was complicated and expensive. And that alone to me is a huge part of why this was a thing. If your loved one died and you wanted to remember them. Let's take a photo. Right. Because now you can. It was a new technology, and this seemed like the best way to use it. And rather than take a photo of them as a dead person, let's Mm -hmm. make it look like they're alive because that makes it more palatable to look at. And just maybe that's more comforting. So the evolution of the photography went like this. Um, The first post-mortem photographs depicted a corpse posed to look like they were asleep. Okay. It was supposed to look easy and gentle and make you feel like, okay, whatever pain they were in Mm -hmm. it's over look how peaceful they look right now then in 1851 the daguerreotype gave away to a new type of photo called the wet collodion process Hmm. i really love the lessons we learned basically it was a new way of capturing and processing a photo it was a lot quicker and a lot cheaper which meant suddenly this was accessible to even more of the general public so more and more people wanted the post-mortem photos Mm mm-hmm that's when we start to see death photos that try to make it seem like the deceased person is alive. Okay. They'd pose the body in a chair or like with children, they'd have the child in a chair holding a rattle or mm-hmm. a toy or something. And a lot of times there'd be like, like a black blanket or velvet, something covering the chair so that a person could hide under there and sort of help hold things in place. Mm-hmm. You have to study the photograph. Sometimes you can sort of see like a wrinkle in the fabric or whatever. Yeah. And that's maybe a family member or photographer's assistant holding the child in that position or holding that rattle in their hand or something. Those are the ones that are the hardest to look at to me. The other kind where it's like the dead person sleeping, that's, it's the kind of thing I've, you've seen, you know, at a funeral. That's what, you know, um, I'm not saying that it looks natural at a funeral, but, but seeing a dead person portrayed as alive is not what it's supposed to be. (laughs) So it's like confusing for your brain. And I guess that's what makes it so uncomfortable it's because yeah. you, like your brain registers like something's not right yeah know? sometimes the photographer would add colors color to the deceased person's cheeks like mm. like little pink just to make it yeah. look alive or sometimes they would even paint eyes on the photo oh. to make the person's eyes appear open instead of closed and depending on the skill some photographers were better at that than others mm-hmm. Those are the ones that really creep me out when I look at them. Yeah. So anyway, in the late 19th century, it seemed like the whole grief photography thing became even more focused on the living rather than debt, rather than the debt. <laughs> you say it. <laughs> rather than the dead. Thank you. The deceased. Um, the decedent. Women would pose for photos that showed them mourning, like they're wearing black, they're crying. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they'd have their backs to the camera. And, like, the deceased person's not in the photo at all. Mm-hmm. Or they'd be, like, looking at a photo of the deceased person right. and looking sad. And I think that's weirder than the photos of the dead people. I'm just like, what do you what's that for? Yeah. I don't get it. Like, I get how looking at a photo of the dead person would be some kind of comfort to you. Yeah. But, like, here's a photo of me being very sad. Here's a photo of me mourning. It's so strange. The, the grief photo feels like some kind of performance. I don't know. 
In the 1890s, post-mortem photography turned toward burial, just oh. coffins and cemeteries and like no pro- no posing the person to look alive or whatever. Huh. Then they'd make postcards of these photos and they'd send them off to friends and relatives, Oh, which is also interesting. It's like, think about how this all started and all the honor and the time put into it. And now it's like a postcard that you throw in the mail and it gets scratched and wrinkled and mm-hmm. handled by strangers. And yeah. It feels like a fall from grace. One article said this, the postmortem photograph had devolved from a near sacred object to a formality or a social obligation, which is so, God, this person died. I got to send out. Yeah. It's like how you send out the graduation announcements or whatever. It's like, thanks for coming. Yeah. The practice of postmortem photography seems to have died out in the 1920s, both due to advances in the photography field, but also in medical and health care fields. As life expectancies increased and photographs mm-hmm. of living loved ones weren't hard to come by. Right. There was just no need to continue yeah. to do the death photos. So today, there are a lot of people who study and collect postmortem photos. But if you're a collector, you have to be careful that the photos are true postmortem mm-hmm. photos. Sometimes there are fakes, but and not even necessarily on purpose. Right. But like kind of what you were saying, like when you go look at them and you're like, can't tell. Mm-hmm. There's this one photo of, um, man... I would never have questioned this before. Lewis Carroll? I think so. I think so, too. It's not Louis, right? Yeah. I think so. It's a photo of him alive. You know the author? He wrote Alice in Wonderland. He's alive in the photo. But it often gets mistaken and lumped in, if you if you Google things, with post-mortem photos. Because <laughs> people think, like, oh, he that's not a, that's not a live person. He looks he's like He's just, like, brought out in a chair with his hand, you know. But he's alive. He's several years before he dies. Oh, my gosh. Mike Zone? Owner of Obscura Antiques in New York offers a rule of thumb when studying Victorian death photos. As simple as it sounds, the big general rule is if they look alive, they're alive. And that rings true when you scroll through them. It's generally fairly easy to spot the deceased person. So if it's not easy to spot the deceased person, then might not be Mm -hmm. a real photo. Yeah. And I guess there is like a such a big market for these like on ebay and and online websites that like you really do people don't take the time to really investigate it oh. they, they just trust that it's a real photo that's what it is there's also a one article i read talked about a movie that had created death photos for use within the movie just to avoid the issue of like what if you Using accidentally a put yeah. a real person on there uh, and then some of those photos have wound up online oh. as like portrayed real like they're the real thing yeah. And maybe maybe people don't realize that they're not real, but yeah, but they're not. So you got to be careful if mm. you, if you want to start collecting these. Yeah, do your do your investigation. Do your so, due diligence. That's it. That's I love it. It's like when I when it first hit me, yeah, I was like, oh man, yeah, they're so creepy, and they they are. You know what you should do next? <laughs> Another like a spinoff of this one. Do the one of the person who started putting the ghosts of people behind the people. Oh, I did actually read about that. Did you? So that right. was a thing. That one's so interesting. Like Abraham Lincoln's wife. It came up. It became a big thing in the Civil War. Yeah. Where photographers realized if they messed with the exposure time of things, they could make it look like there's a ghostly Wasn't person. Wasn't it a person that was associated with like Barnum and Bailey or something like that or one of the I circus? mean, there may have been. It, the, what I read was basically like it's a general practice among yeah. spirit photographers is mm-hmm. what they were called. And it was like a way, again, it was kind of a thing where people would find comfort in it. And I, I think it, you know, the Civil War, if you all remember our episode on the Fox sisters, mm-hmm. that's also when their career as medium spiritualism, like people had suddenly lost all these people they loved 
and they wanted they to just communicate wanted to cling with them. To anything yeah. that they had. So it was very easy, especially when you think about how uh, spiritualism was rising and people were like, yeah, the dead or mm-hmm. you can communicate with them. They're still there. Yeah. So it'd be like, yeah, totally believable that these photographers can get pictures. But it's yeah. it's it was a proven thing that those weren't real. And, you know, if a person moves during the exposure time, it makes them blurry. Right. Like it's what I said here. So if you had a kid, like some of the, if you look them up, those you can look up online too. And it'll yeah. be like, you know, their grandmother reaching for them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was all just yeah. a trick of the photography. Or Abraham Lincoln's but it was a hand huge on business shoulder or something. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge business back then. Yeah. And it's just interesting how we all cling to things for comfort. So that's it. That's it, guys. That's our Victorian post-mortem photography. Uh, I have no idea. I was like, this isn't which is magic, murder, or mystery, but it's, it fits. Yes. It fits. Sometimes in those cases, I just qualify them as mystery. I don't know. Yeah. No, I like it. My brain really likes things to fit in one of our categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here we are. Okay. That's yeah. it. It's thank a mystery in which category it goes in. That's the, the mystery part. All right. Um, thank you for listening. Yes. Thanks so much. And we will be here again tomorrow. Tomorrow. Another episode. Because it's still October. Okay. We love you guys so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.